0: We used some of our old demand gen metrics to get us started, but we really did have to take the approach of new metrics for ABM specifically, just because it is so very different than broad based demand. So one of the biggest reasons, actually, I think, while we won the Program of the Year award, was serious, was because of the way we measured.
1: You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus' business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, You are simply a commodity. Here we go.
2: Sangam here. All right. Today's guest host is Steve App, a good friend of mine. He's an ABM strategist. Quarry has already done a whole series. You might be familiar with him now. He has done a four-part series on ABM for the enterprise, where he had people from Oracle and and many other companies just share the practical tips and and techniques that they're using for account-based marketing strategies that goes across, by the way marketing and sales, not just marketing. And this time, he's bringing a couple of amazing guests who are, again, not only thought leaders, but also practitioners. So you're going to get a real taste of what it takes to do these big deals with account-based mindset. Here we go.
3: Hello, Flip My Funnel. We are back for another episode of our deep dive into ABM, in large, complex enterprises. And I'm really excited about today's guest. Katie Fisher is Senior Director of America's Marketing at JLL, and they are a big company doing some really great things, in fact, some award-winning things in the world of ADM. Katie, welcome to the podcast, and please tell us a little bit about yourself and about JLL. Yeah, thank you
0: so much for having me. So I am, as you said, the Senior Director of America's Marketing. I oversee all of our account and sales marketing in the Americas for our corporate solutions business in JLL. In JLL, actually, not a lot of people know that brand name, um, but we stand for Jones Lang LaSalle, and we're a global commercial real estate services and investment management firm. A good way to think about what we do is if you sit in a major metropolitan area, really anywhere around the globe there's a good chance you sit in one of um, the JLL managed
3: buildings. How many employees does JLL have roughly?
0: We have about 86,000 employees across the globe last time I checked. So it's a big firm. And we just moved up on the Fortune 500 to 189. So we're we're doing some great things. And a, a lot of demand generation is focused on how to continue to grow that.
3: Fantastic. And speaking of great things, you very recently brought home an award from the Serious Decisions Summit for a program of the year for uh, ABM. First off, congratulations. And secondly, tell us a little bit about that campaign and uh, what all went into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, first and foremost, we're really proud of that work and proud to work with Serious Decisions and honored to have received that award. But that was really for our pilot when we started account-based marketing over a year ago. We were in the midst of a lot of change within our marketing organization, really going from a siloed organization to a you know ecosystem that was aligned globally underneath our new head of corporate solutions marketing, Debbie Murphy. So we had a lot of opportunity within that time to start to say, how we were going to go about demand generation and what that looked like for us as an organization. And that's when we really decided that there needed to be a high emphasis on account-based marketing. You know, we started out really small. We chose a large account-based marketing approach. So one-to-one approach, if you will. And we targeted 13 counts and just said, what's the growth opportunity on these accounts? How are we going to either grow that white space that's available on current accounts or grow across our top prospects and tested some things in order to really see what would work for us and for the commercial real estate industry as a whole, um, given, you know, the rather large size of our deals and and the structure of the uh, companies we were going after.
3: Thirteen accounts. And did I get that correctly, that they were a mixture of existing clients as well as Greenfield or were they all existing clients?
0: No, existing as well as Greenfield. So mostly existing, um, but about four of the 13 were Greenfield.
3: Interesting. And how did you choose those 13?
0: So we did a lot of account planning because we were in a very transformative state. We, our data wasn't the best um, and we didn't have access to everything in a real way. So what we did is we used external research as well as the account and sales plans that um, each account does and each sales rep does on a yearly basis. And we looked at what that white space was. So what are the current available opportunities? How realistic were they? What are some things going on within those organizations that might have made them more susceptible to wanting to outsource additional or new services, Um, you know, such as mergers, new leadership, so on and so forth. And we compiled all of that and then did really deep dive interviews with anyone and everyone that knew those accounts within our organization. So really getting at the nuts and bolts of who the who was, of the buying centers, who who was making the decisions, who we needed to target, who we already knew, who we needed to get in front of that you know, we weren't targeting today. Um, and just really doing that broad research in order to decide which accounts were the best. We actually started with about 50 accounts and whittled down to 13.
3: Interesting. And I would imagine that at the scale of of these organizations and, and the sorts of deals you do, there'd be a lot of stakeholders and a lot of influencers in those accounts you'd need to reach. Am I correct?
0: Yes. And they had no idea what we were talking about when we said, hey, we're going to do an ABM program. They actually thought we were talking about one of our competitors. And they're like, why in the world are you talking to me about working with our competitors? What what are you doing? And so it really started at that foundational level of what is account-based marketing. What we're going to be doing, what their role was within what we're going to be doing, and what the expected outcomes that we thought we might be able to achieve for, and you know, just really what that communication plan was going to be along the way as we started to move things forward. I mean, we never even had service level agreements in place between the business and sales and marketing, Uh, so all of that was completely new to us, and and things that we needed to set up in partnership with the organization and.
3: All right. We're going to have to go back a little bit to the beginning then because this is really interesting. And I do want to push forward in this topic area and hear more about the execution of this campaign and what it is about it that made it worthy of a Serious Decisions Award. But let's just go back. I've got to pick up on what you're just saying there. There was a, a real lack of understanding or awareness of of account-based marketing within the organization prior to this. So what is it that made you confident that this was the way to go? And then how did you begin to, to build your allies and bring people along on that journey with you?
0: Sure, absolutely. So because my team and, and our organization were already really close to the accounts and to the business, we knew that organic growth, as we like to call it, was a top priority for our accounts. But that doesn't mean that the account leads were necessarily sales reps, and it doesn't mean that our sales reps were actually in there helping the account. So we had a really clear picture of what the growth opportunities were and what was on the plates for year-over-year growth for our account leads that they had to achieve with no real help. So it was a perfect hand-in-glove fit with account-based marketing. Um, you know, really tailored, really customized to the account. It's not like we were going to be spraying and praying the, it, with these accounts and sending them things that were meaningless to them. And, th- and that was going to turn them off from our services and think that JLA doesn't really know them. Everything was really personalized. So that to me was a great way to move forward to help, you know, touch on that white space where we could, you know, cross-sell and upsell our services. So that that was pretty clear, I think, from the beginning. And then as far as education, it, it was a long road. I, we started this in September of 2017. We didn't actually launch the program until March of 2018 because we were building up that, that goodwill, that partnership. But really where we started is we found one business line lead, as we call them, who oversaw one of our subregions regions in the Americas, who believed in what we were doing, believed in what we were saying. And he became our executive sponsor, and he really pushed it from the top down and said, uh, you know, to his accounts and to his sales reps, you know, this is what we're doing. If you're in the program, you're in. You need to be good partners. And then we started on a road roadshow. We educated. We had meetings. We presented on what account-based marketing is, what it isn't, you know. And even going back before that, I had to train my team because this wasn't a function within their role before this transformation that we went through, you know. So there was a lot of education across the board. And we were really fortunate to have good partners that provided us with great training and and upskilling of my team that also then gave us the tools to go out and educate the business on what we were doing and why it was important and why we needed them to buy into it and be partners with us.
3: I think that's a really vital part of it is that you identified that executive sponsor who was leaning in. I I think this is something that stops people in a lot of really large organizations is that, you know, they, as they're going on their own education journey in ABM, they, they're, they're reading a lot and they're hearing a lot about executive sponsorship and sales and marketing alignment and how critical it is. And they take that to mean that they need to have alignment broadly across the entire organization, that they need the entire sales team. They need the most senior sales leadership. They need all, and, and they think that's just not feasible. And it almost becomes a chicken and the egg thing. Like, how am I going to get that degree of traction until I run a pilot? But how am I going to run a pilot if I don't have that? And then they just, they don't do it or they don't do it well. If I'm hearing you correctly, you didn't try to boil the ocean. You identified a leader who was leaning in, who, who showed all the signs of being a good ally and partner in this. And then you, you built out from there within a, within a subset of the sales team. Am I getting that right?
0: That's absolutely correct, and it was imperative to how we were able to move forward. Because I think a lot of people can spend a lot of time and resources in trying to scale too quickly, or trying to just jump off at a really large point without having everyone on board. And you know, people start to opt out. They start to, they start to, you know, do things like, for instance, we had one sales um, person who, you know, actually ended up not being in the program because. They went to their client was like, Oh, yeah, our marketing team is going to start sending you things and, and messages. And the client was like, I don't want marketing materials. You can't reach out to anyone but me. And we were handcuffed from the get go. So, I mean, even that one individual who was lower level didn't understand what account based marketing was. And, you know, we were, we were handcuffed before we could even get going. And so it's really, really imperative that you just, you know, brass tacks lay out what you're going to be doing and that. At the senior most level, they understand it. And then all the way down to the people that you're going to be partnering with across those accounts, that they really understand it because it's the littlest things that could prevent you from moving forward.
3: Did any of the salespeople push back or you know, take the attitude of, I don't want you messing with my account? You know, I know my account. I know what I'm doing. I've got a plan here, and I'm afraid that marketing is gonna mess it up. Did you did you get any of that? Or given that you did have some executive sponsor, senior in the sales organization did did that sort of clear that kind of hurdle out of your way?
0: No, we definitely, we definitely had that. And that's why I think part of the reason why we wiggled down to 13, there were other accounts that definitely were ripe for the program, but for reasons like that, they couldn't be included. And I, I think it's more like you said, fear of what marketing could possibly do. You know, we never operated in this way in the past, so you have to build up that goodwill. And that's okay. They don't need to be a part of the program. You know, we'll get them back as we build up this goodwill through our continued education and through our continued success as we continue to scale our program today. But, you know, that just means that we didn't waste our our resources and energy on those accounts, and we move forward where we knew we could be impactful because a lot of it is they have to see it first because it is scary for all of a sudden for you to hand all this power over to someone that's never been involved in your account.
3: Absolutely. All right. So you've laid the foundations, you've got your buy-in, you've got your accounts. Now, what did you do? What, what, what did this actual campaign look like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, we actually become much more digitally surrounded with the way that we've approached ABM now, but we had to start somewhere. We were in the midst of a transformation. We didn't have all the technologies or budget available when we started this, but we knew it had to be personalized and it had to be differentiating. So what we did is we started with customized landing pages on our website, on jll.com, for our target accounts that really just hit home to the people coming in, the the right message and the right details that were really centered around their needs. So we weren't leading with our products. We were leading with their challenges, their needs that they've communicated to us to make sure that we were really hitting that personalized mark. And they knew that this wasn't just, again, everyone was receiving this type of marketing. It, it looked like it came from the sales lead and it was very highly targeted. So from there... We um, actually did a direct mail piece, which we have found to be pretty successful. Um, and it all led with this direct mail piece and, and having that aha that, you know, people really do care about this stuff. And our whole campaign was around the blueprint of success for them to be successful, how our relationships can be successful, so on and so forth. And so we actually did a full blueprint with their blueprint for success and how we can partner better together to achieve their goals. It was on thick card stack, it was rolled up in a telescoping jail branded document tube and sent out to our the decision makers on each of the accounts that we were targeting. And you know so it was a, a different type of package they had to open and it. it wasn't like a mailer that they were just going to throw on their desk. And we actually had people, actually, one of the um, MQLs that we closed business around. They actually pinned it up on their bulletin board and referred to it and and brought it to meetings and talked about it and and really used it as, you know, how we were going to move our business forward together with them. And so it became a conversational topic that they continue to talk about today, um, which is great. And then from there, we put them into email nurture. You know, everyone got personalized email with personalized content based off of their needs and what was going to resonate, messaging that was going to resonate with them um, rather than everyone getting the same templated email and um, we continue to just move those down the funnel And, and from the 13 we actually did get four converted leads that three of which were still working one of which had closed business other opportunities were still working with that current client and that we've moved into our scaled abm program that we're working on today
3: Nice. I, lo- I love the blueprint thing. That's so on brand for you. And, and uh, I can absolutely see how that could kind of cut through the clutter with the, uh, the senior decision makers in, in the sorts of organizations that you're targeting. That's a, that's a beautiful play. Thanks. Did you hit any rough patches or any particular learnings or any aspects of this campaign that you would do differently were you to start over again?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think we have, and we've learned a lot from this and the way that we've moved forward, but I think the biggest thing is just the ability to do more digitally now that we didn't have in the beginning has been really helpful. Now that we can do, you know, IP-targeted advertising, we're doing much more intent monitoring to really understand, are these the right accounts in market for these services? Are there other accounts we're missing You know, so that's really helped us um, get much more targeted and, you know, making sure that we're doing the right messaging. But I think, you know, doing the direct mail piece, I think, you know, that would really be something that we're going to continue to do for the foreseeable future. One thing I, I do think we would do differently with the direct mail, though, is that even though not every person within your target mailing list can get. You know the really expensive direct mailers maybe there's a boiled down version that you can do for everyone because there's still influencers that are going to be a part of the decision-making process that you want to make sure you're in front of you can't forget about those people so really wrapping our heads around that it has become important and then i think the other biggest thing that we would do differently and are doing differently is the way that we target C-suite decision makers Um, and the way we differentiate our campaigns, um, for that specific audience, um, that we didn't previously do before.
3: And now you're scaling. So you, you, uh, you had a big win with your 13 account pilot. You won an award. You, you, you got some traction within your own organization. I'm sure. I'm sure you made some believers. Uh, You got Mm -hmm. some traction within your target clients. And now you're into scaling. And what does that look it look like? Is it is it doing something similar to just a lot more accounts, or are you also going deeper in whatever's next for for ABM at JLL?
0: Yeah. So a little bit of both. We actually tried to move more to a named account based marketing program and really differentiating accounts by product availability and. It just wasn't a, a good fit for us at this time. I think we need to continue to build out our product organization and as we're doing um, our you know our content. so you know we were just really building the plane where we're flying it. We just weren't ready for that amount of scale, nor did we have the right enough resources. So what we decided to do was move back to large AVM and what we're doing is we're continuing with a similar program. We're actually working with Corey. Uh, with a lot of the technology design and, and how we're going to enable that further personalization and also reach those different audiences, like I mentioned before. But we're growing our account list from 13 to 80. So we have a lot more accounts and we're no longer just U.S. centric. We It will be an all-American program, which is really new and big and exciting for us. So I, I think going deeper just in the tactic mix and in the length and in the way that we, you know, target based off of engagement is, you know, going to be a, the next stepping off point for us for this new phase of ABM for JLL. But it, I really think it's going to be successful and differentiated in, in the way that we, you know, start to generate those links.
3: When you say targeting based on engagement, what do you mean?
0: So instead of just sending people, you know, for instance, one of our product areas is facility management. So instead of just sending people, you know, continuous emails about facilities management and they each get the next one and then the next one and then the next one, it's going to be based on engagement. So having a few target areas where they can come in to their personalized landing page and click around and then that decides what nurture path they go into. And if they're consuming a lot of content, delivering it to them uh, based on consumption rather than this week you get this and then next week you get that and then next week you get that in order to try to increase um, funnel velocity.
3: Nice. So the specific topics that, you're, uh, that, that they are leaning forward with, they get more content around those topics, but also there's a, a frequency modification here based on the, the rate at which they're consuming. Am I getting that right? Correct. Nice. That's that's so much more sophisticated than old school uh, drip
0: campaigns. I love it. Now, what about well, I'm so much more sophisticated than where we started? So it feels <laughs> good to be moving in this direction. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Absolutely. And what about identifying the right people? These are giant organizations that you're selling into that, no doubt, have a a multitude of buying units in different parts of the company, for different solutions you offer, perhaps globally distributed teams or distributed across the Americas. How do you ensure that you are on top of all the people that you need to influence?
0: Yeah, so great question. And I think that JOL is um, still growing in this area, but we've come a long way from where we started. And it helps to have great partners like Corey, that help with um, contact acquisition and data appendaging but you know we also still do the deep dive interviews with each and every account and sales rep to understand the client organization and understand who those different buying units are and who the people are within those buying units in, in order to you know really start our list and from there we grow with partners like Corey and through buying data and then of course we go through the GDPR process of making sure we're compliant.
3: Right. So I guess when you started with thirteen accounts, it could be more. It was manageable for it to be more manual in terms of figuring out who and what. As you scale to eighty, and then I'm sure in the future, as you scale beyond that, you start leaning a lot more on technology to help you target, uh, you know, at an account level, but also at an individual contact. Level. And, and you did mention intent data. Are you, are you working with, with Bombora or one of the other providers of intent data, or how, how are you tackling that?
0: Not yet. Again, that's the great work of partnering with Corey. We've been able to utilize your resources in order to use that intent data and get that intent data. The only intent data that, we're, that we have access to today through our own technologies is through demand base, which has been very helpful, but it doesn't take you to that next level that you're going to get.
3: Right. How do you measure success in all of this? Have you been able to measure your ABM success thus far using your existing demand gen metrics, or have you had to create a new set of metrics to properly measure ABM?
0: You know, we used some of our old demand gen metrics to get us started, but we really did have to take the approach of new metrics for ABM specifically, just because it is so very different than broad-based demand. So one of the biggest reasons, actually, I think, while we won the program of the year award we're serious was because of the way we measured. We spent a lot of time working on our demand units, and so we actually put measurements in place that tracked how we were achieving success by targeting those buying centers. So, you know, we obviously measured early indicators and contact acquisition and all that great stuff. But we, when we rolled up our dashboard, we had the opportunity to start tracking buying centers across each account. And that's something that we had never done before. So we started with pretty immature metrics or pretty conservative, I guess I should say, metrics of just wanting to engage at least two new buying centers across. Each account. But when we started to look at our success, we actually ended up gauging at least three on each account. And then we started tracking the percentage of decision makers within those buying centers that were engaging. And, And that was really insightful for us because as we started to track the percentage of buying groups that had at least one decision maker aware and engaged in the program, we saw that we were. More, there was more propensity for an MQL to come out of that opportunity to pass back to sales when those decision makers within those buying centers were engaged. And so that piece of it was completely new to us, but it's a continued metric that we're tracking today. And then, of course, you know, how many net new contacts did we achieve? Booked and closed revenue is a big one for long-term metrics, but we really measure along the way. So we have early engagement, mid-engagement, and late engagement metrics that we, um, track for our program that are completely not new to us, which made, um, developing dashboards interesting, but you know, we're well on our way to, uh, having those rolled up as well.
3: Yeah. I think that's, it's a tough thing when sales cycles are long and, and deals are large and complex. You know, we, we all hold ourselves as marketers, uh, accountable ultimately to revenue, but when revenue takes a long time to materialize, you need those near-term and those mid-term metrics, as you said, to ensure that you are progressing and you're course-correcting as needed and you're able to feed back into the organization that you are on the right road. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it was really about breadth of engagement, new engagement, senior-level engagement, and, and that's how you knew you were making an impact in, in the earlier days. Am I getting that right?
0: Yes, absolutely. And now we also, it's really important for us to make sure we're tracking pipeline, you know, what pipeline are we putting through to sales of that pipeline, which one's moving forward, and, you know, ultimately moving towards closed and booked revenue. And we do have a really long uh, sales lifecycle. So, you know, we're ranging from anywhere from 12 to 24 months to see that come to fruition, but we're hoping to start to see some funnel velocity within that measurement um, as well so that we can track and report that deals with ABM move through the funnel faster and have a higher average deal size. We're not there yet, but I think that that's the next phase.
3: So now in your, your scaling mode of say 80 accounts, um, is it a, a mixture? Is there still some greenfield in there and some share of wallet expansion and, and perhaps also some, some pursuit marketing of, of, existing deals that where where success comes from accelerating the, the sales cycle?
0: Yes, absolutely. All three. Pursuit marketing was always a part of my team's um, role. So being able to really see the life cycle come to a complete circle and having it start with ABM and move through, through Pursuit and then back again into how we're um, retargeting. Is great to see, but we do have a mixture of net new and and, um, existing accounts. It's about half and half. Uh, So we're really hoping to do some great AB testing and see what works better where, and then move forward with um, growing and scaling our programs to be more targeted in those two different ways.
3: That's great. Uh, You know, I'd love to see that diversity within your approach because, you know, if you put all your eggs in, one basket of, of just Greenfield or just share of wallet or something, you, you can miss out on a lot of, of, a lot of learning, as you said, yeah. and a lot of success. And, uh, and then you can kind of cross-pollinate those lessons across and maybe some things that are working in the, the pursuit area can start paying off in other areas. So it sounds to me like you've got a fantastic program there in place to take your, your initial wins with the 13 accounts to scale it up and then I'm sure in time go beyond that. How much is this changing or has it changed the way you run your marketing team? I, I mean, do you have new emerging ABM specific roles or is this a shared responsibility across the whole team or how do you how do you structure to support this?
0: Sure. So. Account-based marketing specifically fits within our field organization, which I oversee. So I have field marketers in each of our sub-geographies um, and then in industries. So they really are the ABM experts within our business line for JLL. So they, they still do pursuit marketing. Uh, we still do other on-the-field activities, but really, um, I'd say about 65% of our focus is on account-based marketing. And they had to be trained and upskilled in ABM in order to really be successful at their jobs. And I am really fortunate to have a rock star team that just knocks it out of the park every day and is hungry and loves what we do. And so, you know, I know with them we're gonna do great things, but it definitely was a gift and skill set, I would say, um, in order to build the to what it is today.
3: I'm always fascinated by these design conversations because I I speak to a lot of people in a lot of different companies who are approaching it in a lot of different ways from it being everyone's responsibility as you're saying to scaling up a ABM specific team In some cases teams that are based on tiers you know there's a there's a tier one team a tier two a tier three sometimes it's you know there's a pursuit marketing team versus a greenfield versus a share of wallet I've seen all of these and more I, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to it. It's, it's about what works for your team and your organization. Do you think that the approach that you're taking now is going to likely continue as you scale even further? Or do, do you foresee a time when there's going to be a, a standalone ABM team versus a broad demand marketing team or, or anything else? Or is that not even something you're concerning yourself with at this point that you'll, you'll cross that road when you get to it?
0: Yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it. I think that we're really well poised within the positions that we're in to partner with the accounts and with sales just because we are embedded in the field and we know all of the stakeholders so well that that it works for JOL and the organization we're in. Does that mean it couldn't change in the future? I'm sure it could. I think we'll embrace whatever may come, but for right now with the resources we have and the growth strategy that we have as a firm, this organizational model does fit really well for our needs, and it's really inspiring to see how close my team members are with each of the accounts and with the business line leads and the sales leads. You know, it's it, they're seen as part of the regional leadership teams and. They're in there on the ground hearing day in and day out what's going on. So they're very, very intimately aware of what we need to grow and what our challenges are. And and so for us, it, it really does work very well.
3: Well, it sounds like you're on a fantastic path, Katie. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the Flip My Funnel listeners. I've really enjoyed this and learned lots and I trust others have as well. And I'd really love to have you back at some point once you've really rolled out this larger scaled approach and achieved some more wins. Hey, maybe some more awards. It'd be great to have okay. you back and follow along with, with your ABM journey. Thanks so much for joining us. Katie Fisher, Senior Director, America's Marketing at JLL. Thanks, Katie.
0: Thank you.
2: Sangram here. All right. You already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole year and a half and, and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you. I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy. I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at 33777 with the keyword ABM is B2B. Simple as that. Text me when you get a chance. Don't don't drive and text. Like when you stop, it will be in the show notes. So just take a look at it. The keyword is abm is B two B, and text me that keyword at three three seven seven seven. It will add, ask you for a physical address so I can ship you the book. And I just want to say thank you. I am super excited. Hopefully, I can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelists of the Flip platform Podcast. Talk to you soon.